Okay, Brenda started a series for us last week called To the Praise of His Glory. And she shared examples of three saints that God worked in profoundly in which they responded to the grace of God at work into their lives and their hearts and ended up doing amazing things for God. And uh, that was Peter, the Apostle Peter, Joyce uh, Meyer, and Nikki Cruz. Nikki Cruz. Powerful, powerful. And Shirley there sent me a picture of her and Nikki Cruz at a conference from some years ago when I put that on her church Facebook page. That's cool. It's pretty cool when we live for the praise of his glory in response to his work in us. And uh, from time to time, someone will come up with a worship song that sounds really altruistic and really kind of ideal where it says we, we should worship God just for who he is, not for what he does for us. But the living truth, my friends, is that every single time worship and praise are mentioned in the Bible, it's because of the works of God, and there's a reason for it. The reason for it is God always wants our praise and our thanksgiving to him to be because our minds were, are filled with the wonder the joy, the happiness, the, the sheer delight of what he has done for us and what he is doing for us. And I love the praise in this church. There is, a, in this season, such a profound blessing on our worship team leaders and the teams that we have and on us. I've, I don't think I've ever experienced the level of, of anointing that you are that you're all bringing to the table because of the praise that we share together. I absolutely love our Saturday night praise. Smaller group, beautiful praise. I, I, I love our Sunday morning praise. It's just refreshing to my spirit. And I know that God does. Do you have a sense that God likes it? That he's entering into it? He's saying, wow, this is great. Let's give him more of the spirit. <laughs> but I want to suggest to you some, an additional idea. And that is, in our quest, in our personal desire, in the longing of our heart, the ache in our heart that's in all of us, because God put it there, to live a lifestyle of worship, through the week, that in our feeble efforts, in our failures, in our bumps and bruises, in our up and down experience, and in our prayers at the end of the day, oh God, I wish I would have praised you more today, or in our successes, in our, wow, that was your God thing, thank you Jesus, have you noticed there is somewhat of a turbulence in that, and it's it's a little bit easier to worship God when we're together than to live a lifestyle of praise on Monday. I want to suggest to you something, though. The same sheer delight that God has on Sunday and on Saturday night, he experiences it with reference to you in, your, in every effort you give to live for the praise of his glory. Amen. Amen. Do you know that three times in Ephesians chapter 1, 
The Apostle Paul refers to this obsession he has with the blessings of God and his response three different times to the praise of the glory of his grace, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. And just like the Apostle Paul with Re- and uh, Silas with reference to what happened in the second missionary journey, when they went around strengthening the churches they'd established in the first missionary journey, the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, New Song Church, in this hour, hooray, way to go, I am strengthening you in something you're already very good at, something I already have sheer delight in continually, but something I want to, you know, the Bible says, he that has will be given more. So when you have something going on that's good, and I know you are, because you know one of, this, one of the indicators of how you're doing through the week in praise and worship is the anointing level on Sundays. It's because you worship him through the week and are giving it your best shot that you actually, we have the dynamism that we have on Sunday morning. But God is, God is saying, I'm really, really happy with it, but I want to see it strengthened. You know, the Apostle Paul, uh, with reference to the second missionary journey, visiting the churches from the first missionary journey, it says that as an apostle, he went around strengthening the churches twice. It says that with reference to what his mission was, to strengthen the churches. They've already got something good going on, but we want to see it strengthened. And I want to submit to you that God is saying, way to go, I love it, I thank you, you're doing awesome. On Sundays, on Saturday nights, those that come Saturday night, and, uh, and in your efforts through the week, you're not a failure. The devil might whisper in your ear, you're a lousy worshiper on Tuesday. But that's not God. God is saying every effort you give to give him praise, to give him thanks, to live for the praise of his glory, to whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, to all for the glory of God, any effort you're heading in that direction, God is saying, whoa, angels, have a look at this one. He's really happy. He's just as happy about your praise and worship on Wednesday as he is in your worship on Sunday. It's a different dynamic for him than for you and for me. The anchor verse then for our talk today, and I am going to get to Father's Day application. This is a Father's Day sermon with an extended introduction. (laughs) Ephesians 1 verse 3 reads, and the Apostle Paul is out of his mind with delight. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And here's some of the blessings, just a few, sample. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Everybody say, I'm chosen. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He loves you. He's declared that you are holy and blameless in his sight. That's why you can refer to yourself as a saint. You've heard me say many times, I'd rather be called Saint Dan than Pastor Dan. Because on the last day, Pastor Dan is going to mean nothing. Saint Dan is going to mean everything. Not because I've acted like a saint, but because I'm established in my identity, I'm blood-bought. I am blood-bought into sainthood. And so are you. 
You are holy and blameless before him. And the reason is, he adores you. He adores you. Having predestined us to be adopted as his sons. And you've heard me mention before that adoption in the ancient world has it over those that are natural birth uh, children in that in the ancient world, in the Roman world, uh, adopted children could never be disowned. Wow. The devil might say, you're totally disowned, man. (laughs) But God says, yeah, you're adopted, man, you're mine. You just try to get away. By Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, God himself is having one continual party with reference to you. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved Sometimes we uh, focus on the fact that we are saved by grace, but do you know what? You're also accepted. Right now, this very second, you don't have to do one more thing to be accepted by God. He accepts you in the beloved because you're in Jesus. And he, would you agree he accepts Jesus? And you're in Jesus, so guess what? Fringe benefit. I could preach on that. This passage gives us an invitation to live to the praise of the glory of his grace. Our whole series is going to be, over the next uh, several weeks of summer, six or eight weeks, is going to be about a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of praise, which includes Sunday morning, but also includes a life of praise. I can't wait to unpack this with you. Our whole preaching team is going to be exploring nuances of this. Talk to a young Buddhist and a young Muslim last week. And I shared with them what I thought the Christian message has it over them. Individually, separately. I told them all the great religious teachers had some good things to say. Yeah, they did. I acknowledge that. And I asked them, do you acknowledge that Jesus had some good things to say? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But I want to say, I want to leave something with you. I want to leave a thought with you. I want to leave a reality with you that I want you to think about. I said to them, both of them, the Muslim and the, and the Buddhist, Jesus and all the great teachers had some good stuff to say. But what separates Jesus Christ from all the other good teachers is that Jesus Christ died for my sins and your sins. No one else shed their blood so that all of my sins are fully forgiven, past, present, and future. No one else could do that. No one else did that. Jesus stands alone. That's one way that Christianity has it over every other religion. There's another way. All the other religious teachers, not one of them rose from the dead. Jesus stands alone. He died for my sins. He loved me. He died for my sins as God, the God-man. 
And he rose from the dead to make sure that that reality of my sins being forgiven is going to be enforced forever. He's going to make sure that his blood is applied to me forever. He rose from the dead. There are eyewitnesses. It takes more faith to believe that he didn't rise from the dead than he did. Muhammad didn't rise from the dead. Buddha didn't rise from the dead. Good teachers didn't die for my sins, didn't rise from the dead. They both walked away kind of sober. (laughs) They both walked away kind of contemplative. They had to hear it. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will burn it into their soul. Give them revelation. Dog them tirelessly until they yield to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here's the proper response to Jesus Christ dying as a substitutionary atonement for you and for me and rising from the dead. 2 Corinthians verse 5, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15a, first part of it. This is out of the Passion Translation. Read it carefully. In fact, will you read it with me out loud? Will you read it with me out loud? Will you be willing to do that? I hate to make you work on Sunday, but I have to. (laughs) Here, all together. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. You see the proper response to his dying for your sins and living for him? The, The proper response to the experience of his uniqueness is to live for the praise of his glory. And we all know when we start to be, when the arrows start pointing inward, when we start living more self-absorbed, when we start yielding to the mistake, the deception of, uh, the deception of, of me, it's all about me. If you find your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life, living for the praise of his glory, what? You will. You'll find it. And what a find it is. What a pearl of great price it is to find I want to um, not take as long as I did last night on this introduction, so I'm going to skip down to 1 John 2, verse 15. In our desire to live for the praise of his glory, we've got to let go of the things of this world. He's given us all things to richly enjoy. It's perfectly wonderful to celebrate the blessings that he gives us, the stuff that he gives us. The ownership of his gifts are wonderful as long as the gifts don't own us. And we can tell through the conviction of the Spirit if the gifts are starting to own us, partly because it dulls 
that dulls the edge of the supernatural joy and peace and love we have in our first love continuing affection for the king. As a teenager jumping off a bridge into the river, I discovered that you've got to let go of the bridge to enjoy the jump. And we've got to let go of the world's lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life in order to fully enjoy the river of God. Would you agree? Have you discovered that? The Bible says so. 1 John 2, verse 15, Whoever loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I heard a story from the Old West recently. Apparently there was a job opening for an experienced stagecoach driver who could drive a route that was a narrow road right next to a steep cliff. There were three applicants competing for the job. The first one wanted the job really bad. So he said, I have uh, reference letters. I can guarantee that I can, ride, I can drive that stagecoach right at the edge of that cliff, fully safe, no problem. The second one said, I can do better than that. I can have the wheel of the stagecoach halfway off the road over the cliff and keep everybody safe. I'm a great driver. The third one said, I'm going to keep the stagecoach as far away from the cliff as I can. Guess who got the job? The call of God for you and for me is to stay as far away from the cliff of the love of the world that we can. And the Holy Spirit's faithful to convict us, to warn us, to tell us, you're getting a little close. The goal of the Christian life isn't to get away with as much as you can and still not go over the cliff. It's to stay fully clear because that's where the supernatural Holy Spirit, bliss, euphoria, peace, effective ministry, fruitfulness, happiness in Jesus, living for the praise of his glory. And when we pray for the praise of his glory, we actually get his glory. We experience his glory, the inner the outward, the glory is the outward shining of his inner person. There's no better spot, there's no better place than that. So here's the perhaps overly obvious application. Hear the word of the Lord, new song. In our heart of hearts, let's stay as far away as we can from the edge of the precipice, the cliff of the love of this world, in our having the things of the world, let's make sure the things of this world do not have us. Amen. And now, for the last half of my talk, for Father's Day, three great ideas. Sounds like a stark transition, but it's not as much as you'd think. Actually, I had four gift ideas, but uh, one of them is more for ch- little children and not too many little kids in the audience here today. But if I was, if there were children present, I would say this one first. One of the greatest gifts you can give your dad on Father's Day is obedience. Ephesians 6 1, children obey your parents. It's the only command with a promise in the Bible on your father and mother. Why? 
so it will go well with you and you'll live a long life on the earth. As a 10-year-old, as a 10-year-old, I was already an emerging theologian. That's tongue-in-cheek. I don't, I'm a student. I'm not a theologian. I don't have all the answers, but I'm trying, working on it. And uh, I had made a declaration to myself under my breath. I can uh, honor my mom and dad without obeying them. I can honor my mom and dad without obeying them. And uh, it wasn't too long before I had a dream, God dream. I didn't hear God's voice, but I knew it was a God dream because I woke up thinking about it. There was a black backdrop with just some white typed words. You know what the words were? Honor means obedience. (laughs) I knew it was God. (laughs) It put the fear of God in me. So that's what I would talk about if kids were here too. But kids aren't here, so we're going to have our first talking point. The first great gift idea for Father's Day is the gift of our personal hunger for God. Amen. You know, the greatest gift you can give your biological dad, your stepdad, your spiritual fathers. If your dad's a believer or an unbeliever, Whatever he is, the best gift you could give him is your hunger for God. Just be hungry for God, because you're your true self and the happiest self if that's what you're doing. You know, the original Jesus revolution has an Old Testament prophecy, the last prophecy in the Bible, the book of Malachi, that includes the main premise of the whole introduction that we talked about this morning. That is, living for the praise of his glory is the best gift you can give your dad, spiritual dad or otherwise. Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6. Behold, which means look at this really closely. Don't just pass it over because you just finished reading the Old Testament. Now you're done. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. One of the marks of the original Jesus movement, Jesus himself coming with the appetizer of John the Baptist, baptizing, getting things ready for Jesus for the full course meal. One of the marks of true revival, Jesus' revolution, is dad's hearts are towards their kids and the children's hearts are towards their dads. When I came to Christ, I had a dramatic conversion. I I was totally alienated from my parents. I was totally living for three things, girls, basketball, and marijuana. I'm not, not proud to say that, but that's what I was living for. In one day, I started living, I abandoned those and began to live for the praise of his glory, all in one day. 
And we had a tree house that my brother had built. Two stories with a trap door. You go through the trap door, you have this gunny sack on a rope down to a sapling, and you could swing down. You had to climb a, rope, a ladder up to get to the treehouse, pretty high. But you could always, it was always more fun to leave the treehouse because you could slide down this. And when you were high, it was even more fun. <laughs> I was up in the treehouse reading my Bible, and my dad came up to catch me doing something uh, just to check on me. I don't know what he was doing. But... Opened up the trap door, looked in. What are you doing up here? Reading my Bible. He, the, the ladder just about fell off. <laughs> I've never seen my dad so happy. Consistent with Proverbs 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a what? Third John 1, verse 4, the Apostle John, about his spiritual children, he was a great spiritual dad to so many. I have no greater joy as an apostle. Of all the joys I have as an apostle, anointed preaching, seeing signs and wonders, memories about living with Jesus, walking with Jesus, Planting churches, building and edifying, being Jesus is, in my opinion, Jesus' best friend. I'm the one that Jesus loved. So many perks for this job, but the absolute greatest is this. It's hearing that my children walk in truth. You know what one of the greatest gifts you can give your dad? Probably singularly the most, the greatest gift. Live for the praise of Jesus' glory. Live for the praise of Jesus' glory. Best gift you can give your dad. Any kind of dad. If he's rebelling against God, it'll be, it'll be expressed in conviction, but he needs it, amen? amen? Here's a video of a valedictorian speech that has gone viral. You may have seen it. A high school student, senior class president, valedictorian of a secular public high school, boldly giving about her valedictorian speech. And it's all about Jesus. I especially want you to note in this short clip what her dad says about her. Notice what her dad says. Well, only on Fox, a recent upstate graduate is going viral for the speech that she gave to her senior class, boldly sharing her faith and opening up about hardships in her life. I sat down with her to hear her story. Even if you accomplish all of your dreams or none of them at all, you are still valuable and you are still good enough because you are made in the image of God. These are the parting words from valedictorian and senior class president Lydia Owens to her graduating class at Woodmont High School. In the three-minute speech, Owens shares how her decade-long definition of success was redirected two years ago. I had that reality check almost two years ago when my mom passed away. When tragedy struck my life, it was not my grades nor my accomplishments that helped me navigate through that loss. When everything else in my life felt uncertain, the only person that I could depend on to stay the same was Jesus. 
Owens says her mom was her biggest inspiration. Well, she always pushed me to be my like best self. She always encouraged me in my faith. Um, she's the reason that I had such a strong faith. Uh, she was the example to me of how to be a godly woman and how to love people intentionally. But it wasn't always easy. I got really into like a hard place where I was really doubting God and just like <clears throat> his plan for me was. I didn't understand how God could use such a terrible tragedy in my life for his glory. Her father, Brian, says apart from their faith in Christ, they had each other to lean on. Well, right after her mom passed away, I talked to the whole family and just said, you know, I don't really know where we go from here. I don't know really what we're going to do, but whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it together. Also, just remembering that's what my mom wanted me to do. She wouldn't want me to, like, be sad and just give up. She wanted me to be my best, and she wanted me to keep going. Encouraging those around her, despite the hardships life brings. You don't have to worry about whether or not you'll be successful because God promises that his grace is sufficient for us and that his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. I asked Lydia what it was like hearing the roaring applause from her peers. I was like, okay, like this, this was the moment that God wanted, like, my, like what happened with my mom to be used for. Um, it was really difficult and it was really scary, but I got a very overwhelming positive feedback. I definitely did have some people tell me that, like, oh, I knew you were going to talk about Jesus. But, like, that's going to happen no matter what you say. Uh, I was squalling like a baby, <laughs> obviously. Uh, there's a lot of joy and pride there. But likewise, knowing that her mom wasn't there to celebrate with us this huge accomplishment. But I also take recognition of the fact that I know that she was looking down and she was definitely smiling from heaven on that day. I don't want anyone to say, wow, Lydia, you did a great job. Like, you were the one that said all those words. Like, that wasn't me speaking. Like, yes, I said the words, but I was God speaking through me. Well, Lydia says being a graduate doesn't quite feel real just yet, but in the fall, she's actually going to be attending Anderson University, majoring in elementary education. So we wish you the best, Lydia. Amen. Her dad's joy in her living for the praise of, his, of the glory of Jesus. That's the first Father's Day gift. Second, I'm not going to unpack the second and the third, but I'm just going to mention them and break make a, just a real quick comment on each. The second great gift for Father's Day, the second great gift idea for Father's Day is the gift of our personal thankfulness to our dad. Paul's hunger for God, his, live, his living for the praise of God's, God's glory, would you agree with me? In Ephesians chapter 1, the passage we read, we read, it's permeated with thanksgiving. Right? Praise and thanksgiving. It's like a child on Christmas morning. Ooh, here's a present. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Here's another one. He chose us. I'm holy and blameless. I'm adopted. I'm accepted. In Jesus, I am loved. He actually enjoys this giving me these Christmas presents. Wow, hallelujah. Do you think that the father enjoyed and appreciated Paul's thankfulness? I do. He made it into the Bible, didn't it? For a reason. Our dads are like God in this way. David dropped by this morning, my son David, because he and his three siblings are preparing a feast for me this afternoon. And the first thing he said was, I'm here to say to be thankful, Dad, on Father's Day, because he heard me preach this last night. <laughs> I thought that was great. We have a family tradition on Mother's Day to go around, everybody goes around and says nice things about Mom. And we do the same, same thing about Dad. Thank, thankfulness, part of our family tradition. 
I still tell my dad thanks. I don't talk to him. He's in heaven. I don't think we should talk to people that are in heaven. A little bit dangerous because talking to someone is is like praying. (laughs) Don't want to do that. But I do ask Jesus to give my dad messages. And I have a relationship with Jesus that's confident that Jesus will pass on anything I say to my dad. And I, whenever I think of something cool that he did for me, I look to Jesus and say, hey, will you tell him that for me today? Because I didn't get a chance to remember everything. I, th- after, I tried to say as much as I could in this last weeks and months and days. But I still think of stuff. So I'm still getting the word out to him. The third great gift idea for Father's Day is the gift of our personal forgiveness for our dad. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to subject yourself to continual abuse if your dad is of that ilk, biologically. But Jesus does require us to forgive from our hearts. Amen? If we don't forgive... Others, the window of our vision to God has smudges on it. And that resentment clouds everything. We can't see God as well. We've got to clean the window of of clarity into God's personality and his grace and his love by forgiving everybody that smudges our window. Even if it's to forgive God. I know that's, Typical for some of us. Don't, Pastor Dan, you can't say that. We don't, God never does anything wrong. I agree with that. God doesn't need to be forgiven, but we need to release him from our personal judgment. Yep. Amen. I know I'm really milking this, but my motorcycle wreck was so bad, I'm going to get as much out of it as I can in terms of sermon fodder. The thought struck me, Jesus, Father, you love me. Why did you let that happen? And I felt like he said, you should have seen what would happen if I hadn't rescued you. (laughs) I said, I'm grateful. But I still have to say, if it was my kid, I wouldn't, and I had power to prevent it, I wouldn't have let that happen. Huge redemption in the experience, but uh, still the question remains. And so what do I need to do? I will lose my clarity of his goodness and his wonderful, joyful love and infinite kindness if I let that smudge be on the window of my sight into his beauty. So I need... I don't have to call it forgiveness if that's theologically difficult for me. I can at least say I release, God, I'm not going to judge you. I have to relegate it to mystery, but I refuse to judge you. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness means I'm not going to punish you in my heart, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to punish you, and, I, and you owe me nothing. I posted a forgiveness prayer at the New Song um, Medford Facebook page that 
that might be helpful for you if you need to forgive your dad. I think that should be enough for today, don't you? Let's stand up. We have a worship team coming up. We're going to praise Jesus one more time before we're done, okay? Can you guys please stay around for this? Lock the doors. Praise him together. We'll just praise him together one time. It's our way of saying Happy Father's Day. Then we will have a prayer at the front for anybody that would like prayer today for anything, healing or otherwise. And I want to say that Richard Larkin will continue our series next weekend, Saturday night and Sunday. Richard's here with us. Wave at us, Richard. Here from the UK for several weeks. Excited about that. Richard, for all the uh, small group leaders, will also be doing a seminar for us next Sunday after the service, a lunch workshop. So all you small group leaders, please show up for that. Thank you.
join me in prayer. Stretch your hands. Uh, stretch, hold hands. Stretch your hands across the aisle. Uh, let's everybody. We're going to pray a short prayer together. Just forgive the person if their hand is sweaty. You're all good. If you haven't started your relationship with the Father yet, this is your day on this Father's Day. If you haven't started your relationship with Jesus, you you want to say, Jesus, I want to be all in. I'm jumping off the bridge. I'm not going to hang on anymore. I'm jumping into the river of life. You indicate that by just squeezing hard, just for a moment, the hand of the person next to you right now. That's you saying, Jesus, I'm in. I'm all in. And if someone's just squeezed your hand, you squeeze their hand back. Just one one hard squeeze saying, I'll be praying for you. And if there's anything I can do to help disciple you into ever-increasing levels of joy in Jesus, I, I'll help you with that. Do that right now. And now join me in prayer. You can let go of the hand now. Join me in prayer. Uh, say amen to this prayer. Father, uh, as we look about for examples of amazing fathers in the Bible, we find that there aren't any. And we don't take that as a negative because what it says is fathers are, earthly fathers are, are to be forgiven because they're failures. But also our Heavenly Father is perfect and will never, ever let us down, ever. Ever, ever, ever. And you said that in this world, don't call anybody father or rabbi. We have spiritual fathers, but we don't have to exalt them, lift them up and say, oh, there's my dad. Because you are our dad, always and evermore. And we want to live for the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God loves you. We love you. Go in his joy today. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there.